second reading, we hear that Paul's talking about peace. Specifically, the peace that Paul um, is talking about is a peace that he says surpasses all understanding. And then he tells us how to get it. To be free from anxiety. You know, anxiety is the opposite of peace. When we're anxious, the, the, the word anxiety, where we get our English word from the, from the Greek word, it means to be in pieces, to be kind of all over the place, our mind all over the place, our heart all over the place. We're in pieces. And so I don't know about you, but when I hear the scriptures or anything talk about anxiety over here and peace, my ears just perk up because I want more peace. And we talk a lot about, the scriptures talk about, about the Christian life to be a, an abundant life, right? We talk about human flourishing, and it's really hard to live an abundant life. It's really hard to live a thriving life if we're in pieces. If our mind's in pieces, if our heart's in pieces, if we're anxious, if we're not in peace. So two things this morning, an important distinction about peace. And then secondly, it's all about what we dwell on. So first, the distinction. You may be thinking, well, I know, what it, I know what my heart's like when I'm anxious and I'm worried. And I also know what my heart's like when it's at peace. Like peace is peace. There's no distinction to be made. Peace is peace. I know what that feels like. And I also know what it feels like to be worried and to be anxious. The kind of anxious even maybe it's like where, you, where I'm struggling to get my breath. They're all the same, peace is peace. Not according to the Bible. There's a false peace. The scriptures speak into a false peace. You can turn to a number of places or just look at the book of Jeremiah. At one point, Jeremiah the prophet says, as he's speaking of, of the people, he says, they dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say yet they had no peace. He's talking about a situation here when the people said, I, the, the people are, are saying, I have peace. They're even thinking that I have peace. I have peace, and yet it's a false peace. It's a, super, it's a superficial peace. It's a, it's a manufactured peace. You know, with, with that, about a month ago, I was reading a whole bunch of articles came out. It was, it was Wall Street Journal had an article. The Atlantic had an article about a new trend at the time that was trending on TikTok. I don't know if it's still trending, but at the time it was, and it's called um, bed rotting. And so bed rotting is especially um, popular amongst Gen Z. Bed rotting is when you spend all day in bed, and we're not talking about spending all day in bed because you're sick or maybe you know, catching up on sleep. But what bed rotting is, is you spend all day in bed, either scrolling on your device, playing games, whether that be video games, games on your phone, or you're binge watching a season or two of your favorite show, whatever it is to be considered bed rotting, you're in bed all day with the exception of going to the bathroom. And it's something, as I said, it's trending. It's something that's kind of looked at to be like glorified. It's a positive thing to, to be the antidote to anxiousness, to be, to be the antidote of being overwhelmed and being worried to get peace. And at first, might that bring peace? Yeah, it might. 
feeling nice and cozy under the covers or scrolling away, but it's false peace. It's false peace, and, and there's a problem with false peace. And the problem with false, false peace is that it never ends well. And every time in the scriptures, whether it's in the book of Jeremiah or it's Paul elsewhere in 1 Thessalonians, when he's describing false peace, it always ends the same, and it doesn't end well. It's always then described when there's false peace, it's described as sudden disaster comes. It, talks, it, it uses images and, and, and um, metaphors of talking about it's like a, a mother that goes in labor pain. It's like a thief that comes. You got the false peace, but if it's manufactured, if it's, if it's, if it's counterfeit peace, if it's false peace, always it ends in disaster and it's sudden. So that's not the peace Paul's talking about. This is the, the first important distinction that needs to be made here as he's addressing the topic of peace, Christian peace. It's not manufactured, it's not, it's not counterfeit peace. The peace that Paul's talking about specifically, he says, he says, it is the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And he goes on and says, it will guard this peace that he's talking about. It will guard your hearts and minds. The image there for the word guard that Paul's using is like, it, it, it's protective. It will act as a shield over your heart. It will act as a shield over your mind, the peace of God. And he talks about it surpassing all understanding. You know, seven years as a priest, walking with people who have gone through unimaginable things, whether it's the loss of a family member or it's complete financial ruin or it's unbelievable illness and sickness and in the midst of the grief in the midst of the sorrow in the midst of all all this all that's the trial i've seen some people experience the peace of god that quite honestly it does just what paul's talking about it surpasses all understanding it defies logic it's like that shouldn't be you shouldn't have this undercurrent of peace as the waters are turbulent up here. And yes, there's this tranquility of heart that is protective of my heart. That's protective of my mind that Paul's talking about. So how do we get the peace? Not the false peace, not the counterfeit peace, not the manufactured peace, but the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Paul gives a series of instructions which is worth going through all of them. We don't have time to go through all of them, so we'll just touch on one of them. And it's all about what we dwell on, what we think about. He says this. He says, brothers and sisters, you want that peace of God that surpasses all the understanding? He says, do this. He says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, whatever is excellent, Whatever's worthy of praise, he says, think about these things. Others' translations for the word think, it, it more, more better gets across. It's to dwell on. It's to drill down on. It's to linger over. It's to spend time thinking about. And notice these things, what is true, what is honorable, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what is gracious. They're all things that we're attracted to. They're all things 
that we're, we want to give our attention to when we just think about these words. So here's the biblical principle Paul's talking about. We'll never have the peace of God that surpasses of all understanding if we dwell too much on the wrong things. If we give too much attention to the wrong things, if my primary love, if my primary thing that I'm attracted to, that I'm drawn to, if it's not God, or St. Augustine talks about, if God's not my clinging love, I will not know the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. The kind of peace that guards my heart and guards my mind, that acts like a shield. You know, there's a great illustration of this, a, a book that I've been recommending to parents. It um, came out um, this year uh, by Jennifer Wallace. Um, the title's called Never Enough. And it's on the New York Times bestseller. What she does is that she, she spent years doing thousands of interviews with families and children and leading psychologists. And what she, what she found out and what she shows in her book is that there's, in, there's an increased pressure on kids today to perform and to, to succeed. And she talks about how it's different today, especially in like in the suburbs and in the city, it's, it, it's heightened and how it's causing increased problems. And one of the main things she talks about is increased anxiety, a lack of peace. And she opens her book in the very first chapter, she opens her book with an interview or, or a story of a young woman who just graduated from high school. Her name's Amanda. And this is how she opens her book. She says, Amanda should have felt elated. She was a varsity athlete, the president of the debate club, and about to graduate from her competitive high school with top honors. She had just received an early acceptance letter to her college of choice, an elite university with an admissions rate of a mere 10%. It had taken six full years of sacrifice and singular focus to finally reach this moment. Now she, could, now she could do anything. She had made it. But instead of an overwhelming pride, what she remembers is shock and anxiety. The Saturday after receiving her college acceptance, she, bought, she brought a bottle of Smirnoff vodka to a friend's house and partied all night, not to celebrate, but to numb the anxiety she couldn't quite name. Amanda went on to say is that achievement, success is, is what had mattered so much to her parents and which had become part of her in her blood and in her veins that that had what had mattered most to her. That's, so the problem with Amanda, her attention, her love, the thing that she cling to, the thing that she dwelt on, the problem was it just wasn't lovely enough. It wasn't honorable enough. It wasn't just enough. It wasn't gracious enough. It wasn't excellent enough. It wasn't worthy of praise enough. You know, I, I, I hope this isn't one of those moments of like, I, I hope I, this isn't one of those like where I scandalize everybody. But nine out of 10 times when I'm anxious, nine out of 10 times, it's always, and it's usually brought up in prayer or in spiritual direction, somebody points it out to me as I'm dwelling on the wrong things. My attention has shifted too much off of things that are lovely, that are pure, that are, that are honorable and worthy of praise, namely God. 
It just drifted too much. So I think the question, you know, question for all of us is like, as I look at my life, which of those two versions of peace am I more familiar with? When I'm anxious, when I'm worried, when I'm slammed with stuff, when I've got the concerns, do I have a peace that's more like a shield that guards my mind and my heart? Or am I or I'm more familiar with the other peace, the false peace that takes some form of the bed rotting? And maybe it's not spending all day in bed, but maybe it's through whatever it is. Which of the two pieces am I more familiar with? Or maybe another way to ask, ask is this, when I'm anxious, and like a period of anxiousness or, or worry in my life, whatever the issue is, whether it's about the kids, whether it's about work, whatever it is, what am I, what am I, being, what am I drawn to these past weeks? What am I drawn to? What's getting my attention these past months? What do I love? If he isn't my clinging love, I'll never have the peace of God in which the scriptures talk about, what Paul's talking about, a peace that surpasses all understanding, a peace that can guard my mind and my heart. And so maybe to close, to close just to, to make this final move, to keep it from being abstract, because it's like, okay, that's kind of abstract. The, 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 the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that sounds nice, that sounds fluffy, yeah, I want that. If, you know, I'd rather have that than the bed rotting, manufactured, counterfeit piece. But it like that, this, that kind of piece, that false piece seems more tangible to me. What is the, the, the false piece the, or the, um, the, the piece of God? Like, I, I just, it's too abstract. I can't grasp it. Note what Paul does. He says, the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God that Paul's talking about is intricately connected to the fact that God became man. The fact that God went through the passion, went through the cross, not, not all together and in pieces with joy, but actually he was broken. Is that he cried out and said, God, why have you forsaken me? He actually became into pieces God lost his peace so that we could have eternal peace and that we could be in relationship with a person. And so see there, it's like not this peace of God that surpasses all our understanding. No, but see, it's incarnate. It's I'm attached to a person. I'm in relationship with a person. I'm joined with him. I'm in union with him. See, now I can be drawn to him. I can be attracted to him. I could say, can I get more of that? Can I get more of that love? I can experience that love now. It's intricately connected to the fact that God became man. Jesus lost his peace so we could have eternal peace, not manufactured peace, not counterfeit peace, not false peace.